0: Day with tons of interviews in DC, French TV, everything. So just wiped out.
1: Yeah, I I and you've got your your reveal tomorrow.
0: Yes. You too. Yes.
1: yes. Thank I, you. Uh I I first heard uh being I was an on-air meteorologist for for 20 years. Yes. <laughs> that was my career. And so I I, I bit the global warming thing, hook, line, and sinker. It all kind of made sense. I came into my own at like 88 when I was finishing college, and Yellowstone was blowing up. That was a crazy hot summer. Yeah. And so I, I I I bought the thing, and I I did the third grader talks. I did all of those elementary school things. I fell for it. And I was working in Tulsa and James Inhofe. Uh, and, yeah. and it was a little beginning of there are actually dissenters out there. There's another point of view to this discussion. And that was an aha moment for me. The other moment was then 9/11. Interesting, and, 9/11, yeah. And because then you question the narrative. Yes. And and once that story wasn't right, then I systematically being in journalism went looking through other holes and other stories. And then at time trails in the skies were creating clouds. That's going to impact temperatures. Because then 9-11, we had no plane traffic, so atmospheres went transparent. We saw a a greater variation, a diurnal swing of three degrees. So we took those aerosols out of the sky, and the days were warmer, and the nights were cooler. So there were a lot of things that came to my eventual conclusion that we're fighting a beast here, and there's another agenda behind it. And in your, your book, you talk about Maurice Strong. Yes. I've had dinner with his wife. She lives in this small Colorado town.
0: Now you mean years right ago? Now, right now. Oh, wow!
1: Now, less than two miles away. Okay. So I've participated in in her passionate belief that we need to have this structure in place to help mankind through the changes that are coming. So I'm wondering, why did they just tell us the truth about real climate change? And what what do you believe is the is the real driver, or are we just in a variable cycle at this point in time?
0: You know, all- actually, there's nothing unusual going on. But I mean, you brought up Maurice Strong. Maurice Strong was the, I guess you'd say, the founder of the first uh, Earth Summit, 1992 mm-hmm. in Rio. In Rio, and George H. W. Bush, then president, went down there, signed the United States onto it, and got us involved in the whole. United Nations climate treaty process led the Kyoto Protocol, the Copenhagen, and eventually the Paris Pact led to the annual conferences, the U.S. sending huge delegate. I went as a Senate staffer to Bali for a hotel. I'm talking about a five-star oceanfront hotel with luaus on the beach every night, full shows, uh, palm trees. Uh, my airline tickets in Kenya, I went to another one. I mean, we're talking 15,000, 17,000 round trip just for me as a Senate staffer. You went in style. I'm talking airline pods, first class, where you lay down and sleep, and this is how they travel. It's actually technically business class, but it's like first class. So It's
1: it's special business. But what Murray Strong
0: did is he started the Agenda 21, the the, uh, sustainable development. And actually in doing research for my book now on the Green New Deal... Going back and pulling excerpts of the Rio Summit and the original Sustainable Development, which Nancy Pelosi, by the way, introduced on the House floor in uh, 1992, mm-hmm. uh, actually it may have been 93 now, but it's there are it is verbatim almost exactly like the Green New Deal. It's basically a complete changeover of society. I interviewed Christina Figueres for Climate Hustle, too. She's the former UN Climate Chief. They seek a centralized transformation that will make life on planet Earth very different. Uh, the vice chair of the IPCC said it's not about climate. This is about redistribution of wealth. It's not about environment or policy. So it's interesting you'd start out talking about Maurice Strong because they've been very clear about what they're seeking. And it has nothing to do with controlling the climate. It's about controlling society. Uh, and then, you know, I, and we, y- you go back and in my first book, Politically Incorrect Guide to Climate Change, I go in and talked about John Holdren in the 1970s. His big complaint was that uh, people had energy that was too cheap, too abundant. And he actually lamented that some people would get in their car, drive to the store, get a six pack and drive home. He saw that as wasteful, unnecessary. And guess what's in the headlines today? California banning the internal combustion engine car by tw- I can't remember the date now, but it just fourth state in the nation to do so. Yeah, uh, and then we have you know Andrew Yang, Democratic candidate last year, calling for a roving fleet of electrical cars and abolishing basically they want to get rid of private ownership of cars. They, they so it's an amazing thing. So you asked about the climate, but go ahead. I don't go ahead. I don't want to. Um, no, uh, no, that's what
1: yeah. But what what I what, what's fascinating to me is that they chose CO two as the lever by which to accomplish this political agenda.
0: And I'll tell you, they failed for one reason. They failed thus far because CO two is not scary. It's a trace essential gas in the atmosphere. Every poll has showed it's eighteenth nineteenth global warming. You know, people are concerned, but they don't want to do anything about it. They don't want to pay five dollars a month. Yeah what what could possibly replace CO two viral fears. And they have succeeded beyond their wildest dreams with COVID. And so the movie Climate Hustle 2 opens with the COVID climate connection. And I think you'll be shocked because we go through the top United Nations media, teen activists, Al Gore, John Kerry. They love the lockdowns. They actually say the parallels between these solutions are uncanny. They're unbelievable, mm-hmm. close, and they love it because at UN summits, they openly talked about planned recessions, degrowth, um, in order to reduce emissions. What is a lockdown but a government planned recession? That's what we're dealing with. Despite what the evidence one way that this is absolutely, they've succeeded beyond their wildest dreams. So now I think climate, CO2, cannot be the boogeyman they ever thought other than this. They are now trying to say, well, uncontrolled CO2 is going to lead to more viruses. They're now forced to become part of the viral fears. They're no longer leading the show. All these climate activists who invested decades, they're watching with jealousy yeah. as unelected public health bureaucrats take over. Think of what's going on in Australia, New Zealand. These parliaments have been suspended in Victoria, Australia. You don't even... The, the the elected bodies are gone. And now you have nameless, faceless public health bureaucrats who no one could even name with a massive police force telling you, you have, you're you a quarantine, you can't leave your house. If you refuse a test, you get double long quarantine. You're taken away from your family. You're arrested. You're, if you say anything on Facebook that says we should maybe go protest, they break into your house. We've got the video. This is where we are, a technocracy ruled by experts. This is what the, the end game of Maurice Strong was, but I don't think anyone saw it just, we melted. And I'll say one last thing and then I'll let you speak. But the UK House of Commons speaker at the G7 summit last week with Nancy Pelosi marveled. He said, I think he said the word amazed at how, quote, compliant, unquote, the public has been with lockdowns and all these restrictions. And now he's excited because he wants to extend them to the uh, climate world. So if you love the COVID lockdowns, you're going to love the climate lockdowns. This is what we're facing right
1: now. It's well, they it
0: the largest moment in freedom we've ever faced. I think, as a country, absent you know getting rid of slavery and fighting segregation and some of those battles.
1: Well, and it's become politicized. So one side can't. How do we say this? Talk about the issue without the other saying it's just a political issue rather than a health care issue. It's the same with 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 weather and with climate that this that the un those that are without bias don't get to do the science and have the point of view to be able to talk to the public.
0: And that's what our movie's about. We profile scientists after scientists who were smeared, lost their jobs, all because they dared dissent. And here's a simple concept. Science has become another branch of the government. It is politicized. Whether you're talking about mask studies, climate studies, I'll give you two quick examples. President Obama was headed off, and we cover this in the movie, into the UN climate summit in Paris for the UN for the Paris Pact. This was supposed to be saving the world. By the way, it didn't save the world. Within two years, they were talking about it being inadequate. We're all doomed. We have new tipping points. So no matter how many times they pat themselves on the back and say they say the world, it doesn't happen. But Obama needed something grand and dramatic. So he goes to NOAA scientists, and what do they do? They bring out a rush-through peer review a federal study saying the global warming pause is no more. They went back and changed the past temperatures. Imagine you're you're a company losing money. You hire a new accountant. Hey, guess what? We're now, we went from being in the red to the black. We're making record profits. We have a new accountant. We changed all our old numbers. That's what they did with the global temperature history. So Obama goes to the UN Paris Agreement with this piece of paper study saying the pause is no more. And then the media is like, the climate deniers lost their talking point. Does it matter whether the study was accurate they rushed it through peer review. No one could question it. Now fast forward. Since the 1970s, 80s, on my website, if you go to climatedepot.com, mask studies, as an example, not only were they not effective in preventing a virus, but many of the studies showed that people who wore masks in a medical settings had higher rates of influenza and other viruses because you're f- messing with your mouth, you're constantly touching, adjusting. It was never in the CDC playbook to have mandatory masks. It was never in the World Health Organization. So what happens? We have the first wave of COVID coming in, you know, March and April. Death toll drops down to 90%. And then government, state after state, blue state typically was issuing mask mandates. So what are you gonna do? Suddenly, Fauci, who had just said a few weeks earlier that no one should be wearing a mask, all the same reasons I just gave you, and that they don't necessary, you don't need them, blah, blah, blah. Suddenly, science has to has to support politics. So science in service service of policy. Remember that phrase, science in service of policy. Suddenly the, the head of the CDC, Fauci, Uh, the top doctor there, and then Redfield from the CDC, the who, the who actually said, no, don't do it. They were the last holdout. Suddenly they came out and announced, well, due to anecdotal evidence, we're now reversing our thing. They had to because they had to go in line with what the political class was doing. So science and supportive policy, and you don't even need studies. You just need a science bureaucrat Unelected has been there for decades. They come out and say masks now work, and we should be doing that. Suddenly, the media, the science is settled. The, the head of the CDC came out and said, it. Those, so they come out with modeling studies and then correlation studies. Suddenly, they put in masks, and now that we've had the mask study, the deaths are way down. No, the deaths were way down before you put the mask. So this, those are two examples. We are dis- we are losing are free. So rapidly, we're losing this battle because very few people, no one in power, even Donald Trump is not speaking out about this. Few congressmen get it and are speaking out, even Republican governors. Let's trash some people. Texas governor, Florida governor has been very strong, mostly, but weak. The Georgia governor has been very good. He actually banned local mask mandates on the lockdowns. But tell me anywhere in the country, maybe I'm wrong, Scott, has anywhere in the country voted for a lockdown by legislator or has it all been executive orders or public health directives declaring an emergency? We have to question these. There's got to be. There's a guy named Sanjeev. Uh, I can't remember the butcher's name. But he's an economist in Australia. Yeah. And he said that Sweden is different. It's in their constitution that you cannot declare a public health emergency and then take away people's freedoms. The United States lacks it. We allow this. We cannot allow this ever again. So this is what we're facing. And now the climate activists are drooling in jealousy. So that's how Climate act, uh, climate Hustle 2 opens up.
1: Well, there was one today, uh, Vine is her last name, and she retweeted a, a questionnaire on how, how people were rating topics that were important to them as they lead up to the election. And climate out of 20 was now 17. And yeah. you could see her distraughtness, how the rug had been pulled out from under her that her cause... In her eyes, because time is this short, was lost that we had been yep. we'd been drawn into these other issues. And the juice, as soon as COVID came up, Greta became, a, you know, a, a, a non-existent culture creature well,
0: became a COVID expert. She was featured on a panel on CNN. Keep in mind, the salute. Here's what John Kerry said. The solutions to COVID and climate basically one and the same. And that's right. why they're so excited. They want to keep this going because this is what they've been achieving. And, and hell, if we have to use a virus to keep the momentum going, mm-hmm. let's do it. So that's where we are. And I'm. this is a grave time for me because I just, I, here's another point. Had Donald Trump not been president, he allowed Fauci to come in and do this. Imagine if Hillary had won and Hillary tried to do this, I think we would have had partisanship. We would have had a loyal opposition in Washington. You would have had more pushback. But because Donald Trump was president, Republicans are generally silent. It's sort of the, the Nixon in China moment. Only Nixon could have normalized relationships because had, you know, a Democrat done it, Republicans never would have allowed it. Well, it was the same thing here. Only Only Trump could have elevated Fauci. So in that sense, it, you know, it, I'm not saying Hillary should have won, but I'm saying that's a weird view of politics is that When partisanship can actually help uh, defend liberty sometimes, you know, when Bill Clinton was president in the late 90s, I think we had our greatest time as a country in many decades because Bill Clinton was held in check by the Republican uh, Congress in ways that when George W. Bush was elected, he wasn't. So we actually had balanced budgets. We had cheap gas. We had a government that was obsessed with a sex scandal. That's a good thing. You want government wasting its time worried about a sex scandal and not declaring health emergencies, climate emergencies, and coming up with all this. So I look back at Bill Clinton's second term as the uh, halcyon days of uh, freedom and liberty. How how about that?
1: (laughs) That was Barbara Streisand's happy days are here again. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So really the whole CO2, all of this, becomes not even in the the backseat issue this whole climate change even if from what i'm seeing as an event with the sun that ultimately we see and the pause has taken place that we're 20 plus maybe even 25 years now where we haven't seen outside of adjusted homogenized tweaked data an increase in temperature and if we do go through a climate crisis then i see us as going the other way that government is always pointing there when in reality, the threat lies behind.
0: Well, no one even knows. Donald Trump, during the wildfires, actually came out and said, you don't know, science doesn't know, it may cool. And then the media went, oh my god. Go to climatedepot.com, I did a whole rebuttal. There are so many scientists, based on low low sunspot activity, solar cycles, ocean cycles, and other things, who are also geologically overdue for the next ice age. In fact, Bill Nye says, one thing rising CO2 emissions may have done is delay the next ice age. Well, gee, if that's true, isn't that a good thing? <laughs> but when, when has Trump absolutely right. Science doesn't know, but let me give you the. You asked a couple times about CO2, where we reference it. Carbon dioxide is but one of hundreds of factors in the climate that, can, and the idea that it's the control knob is not scientifically valid. The, the way the United Nations gets away with this. First of all, they handpick all their scientists. They were formed in 1988, the climate panel. And the idea was they are going to examine how CO2 influences the climate. If they fail to find CO2 causing a climate crisis, they fail to have a reason to exist. Yeah. Yeah. So guess what? As a bonus, so but so in the movie, we talk about the scientists who talk, it's almost like a, a magician with a card trick. They talk about, the, it looks like they're doing real science, but they know exactly where every card needs to be at the right time. And we actually documented in my book too, the U.N. official saying, wait till the next report. It'll be so alarming. The world will have to act. The head of the U.N., r- r- former head, Agenda r- Pachari, actually said, global warming is my religion. Does that sound like a science body to you? He was the head of the client panel. Al Gore admitted, and I believe it was a CNN interview in 2000, maybe 17 or 18. He said... Of course, the United Nations reports are torqued up. How else are you going to get the attention of policymakers? So it's a lobbying organization, but it's not just like, okay, we're put together. They have no reason. If they fail to find CO2 is a crisis, they fail, they have to disband, right? So they have every incentive to keep it going. But here's the kicker. Not only are they tasked with finding the problem that CO2 is causing a crisis and hyping it and distorting the science, but as a bonus, they get to come up with the solution. The whole UN treaty process, they get to collect the $100 a year climate fund. They get to do the green development fund. They get to have annual conferences. So they get to do the problem and the solution. Do you sense a conflict of interest here? Do you think any media outlet would ever question that in the mainstream? So this is the insanity we're dealing with. So in the film Climate SLE2, we show that in the geologic history of the earth, we've had ice ages that, you know, with CO2 uh, many times higher. We've had CO2 uh, uh, levels that, we're in that lowest, uh, geologically speaking, we're in the lowest ten percent of the te- of the uh, Earth's we call it A famine,
1: a CO two famine,
0: yeah, CO two famine. But the Earth in ninety percent of the history has been colder and CO two higher. So the idea that somehow we're in an unprecedented geologic era of CO two isn't adding up. And we go through hurricanes, floods, tornadoes, sea level, uh, wildfires. Uh, I don't even know what else. What are droughts? And not only are not increasing on climate timescales, 50 to 100 years, they're actually decreasing. In the case of wildfires, which everyone's talking about, globally, wildfires are down 80, 90 percent over 100 years. Globally, in the last 20, less than 20 years, 18 years, the satellite data shows wildfires are declining. So, yeah, California is having some bad wildfires right now, but they even don't dwarf what they've had in centuries past, they've had droughts that have lasted more than a century in the, in the history of California going back hundreds of years. I mean, California is drought prone, but beyond that, this is a, you know, obviously California droughts, I mean, wildfires are not a good indication of climate signal because people it's so dependent on land use, forest clearing, you know, arson, all these fires are started by arson and the rest are started, not arson, but by Mm -hmm. humans by accident. And then the rest are started by lightning. So, I mean, there is there is no there. So what they do is they do a misdirect. Current reality fails to alarm. This is a great example with polar bears at or near historic population highs. They've never estimated this many highs. They're supposed to be in a catastrophe. Al Gore, after making it the poster child of 2006 in his Academy Award winning film and Nobel Prize winner. Guess what? His sequel in 2017. Not one mention of the polar bear. Not one mention in his book. Why? Because they're at a historic population high. So what do they do? They'll still say, though, though, it's worse than we thought for the polar bear. How? Their numbers have gone up. Everywhere. Well, because our predictions of 50 years are now much more dire than they were just five years ago. So they, they it's a misdirect. When current reality fails to alarm, makes scarier and scarier predictions of the alleged bad effects of CO2.
1: And that's why we have uh, scientists right now to come up with a, a butterfly study, or what do, would do you call it now? We have opposite and contradictory publications in yes. peer-reviewed studies, it, it, Red or hot versus cold.
0: It is phenomenal to look at that. I mean, this, there's no way to falsify global warming. If you're going to bet on two teams to win the Super Bowl and you bet on both, guess what? You can come in and say, hey, I got it right. They do an ensemble, a suite of climate models, and they will claim, "We have a, here's a model here. We predicted it. It's like, yeah, if you're a magician or something, you could always show, if you show all 52 cards and someone says, that's the one, you say, yeah, oh, there, I predicted it. Yeah. They don't show you how 90% of their models are failing, but meanwhile, they'll show you the one. We predicted it. Yeah, well, they do the same thing with the studies. The length of day will increase, decrease. Hurricanes will increase, decrease. Uh, the fog in San Francisco will increase, decrease. I go through in the book and in the movie, we've in Climate Hustle 1, we had the whole thing just going through each one. And I'll show you the... The, the news source when i do when i give speeches around the country i show the actual original headlines you know the global warming will cause this global warming will cause, o- opposite 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 global warming will cause more snow global warming will cause less snow that's a classic one yeah so what happened there is you know when we had record snow the east coast had record blizzards and snow al gore said this is what we saw this is what global warming looks it's like the and first film never mentioned that in fact he talked about the snow is disappearing so it's amazing how they just get away, with it. and the media will never challenge it because this is the chosen science and issue of our day right now.
1: What um, what do you think of the president uh, kind of shuffling the leadership and say uh, Ryan Mao g- getting in as uh, the 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 chief scientist for NOAA?
0: We yeah, like have David Gates, too coming in. Ryan yeah. Mao, I don't know that you could call him a climate skeptic. Uh, you know, I'm skeptical that he's a skeptic. He's,
1: yeah. I mean, I followed him for probably three years. And he's 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 very
0: good on extreme weather, but I'm not sure what his views are overall. He's sort of you know he's done some stuff where Michael Mann has been praising him. And I don't I I don't know if he's been it's he's very confusing at times to figure out. I don't know, he's not like a skeptic that you could say is a classic climate skeptic who rejects it, but he might be a a anti-catastrophist climate skeptic. He certainly focuses on extreme weather. We'll see what happens. I'm not sure, but David Le Gates. He's featured in our film. He's the new he's the new one. They're considering for a NOAA top sign. I don't know exactly what position yet, but it's been in the news. David the Gates, climatologist in Delaware, he's profiled. He he was actually the state uh, climatologist in Delaware. But because of his skeptical views, they basically tried to force him out. The governor, I mean, it was a big everywhere you step on this consensus, you're destroyed. But Trump is doing stuff. But it's it's frustrating. Four years in, he's finally what? Yeah, well, six weeks before an election, you're finally putting people in. He had an opportunity. He had Will Happer, the Princeton physicist, 200 peer-reviewed studies, considered the foremost expert, one of the foremost experts on the on the greenhouse effect. He was all prepared to do a climate committee and challenge this the United Nations consensus. Bring in dozens of top-tier scientists. Uh, you know, and and what happened was Donald Trump approved it, but. What happens? Here's the problem that Trump doesn't understand. Trump's a former, you know, Trump Enterprises CEO. They come in. Trump okays the Climate Commission. Then he comes in. I thought we approved that oh, months later. nope. Unless he really wants it and follows up, his staff is going to push it off. They, th- they see climate change challenging the science is like a Vietnamese a Vietnam War quagmire. Donald Trump doesn't want troops in Afghanistan. He's been talking about it for four years. Still there. The Pentagon's never going to let that go. That's something if, if Donald Trump really wants to follow through, he's this deep state, whatever you want to call it, will never allow that to happen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and it's the same thing, you know, with climate and a certain couple other issues that uh, Donald Trump deals with. So his his intentions are in the right place. But he doesn't even realize, you know, you can't go in and say, oh, yeah, we're going to do a commission. Yeah, I'll okay that. No, unless he's going to personally follow up and make it happen, it was never going to happen. So Will Happer left the administration frustrated. It was the greatest misopportunity of the Trump administration, because here's what the problem with President Trump. He's come in fantastically, regulatory, repealed Obama's climate regulations, pro-energy. We've achieved energy dominance. Uh, You know, I quote in my new book, going back to the 1930s. 50s. We haven't had this since Eisenhower was president, this kind of energy dominance we had under President Trump. But not a single cabinet member, bar one a guy named Scott Pruitt, his first EPA chief, would challenge the science. Rick Perry, who everyone thought, oh, he's a great climate skeptic, he comes in and then starts praising Al Gore, d- decides never to challenge the science. Does, it actually ends up being, well, oh, I don't care if we're in the UN Paris Agreement. Rick Perry, NASA head Bridenstine comes in the Trump administration, brings Bill Nye to the first state of the union. And then right before he's confirmed, announces he's reversed himself. He's no longer a climate skeptic, a former congressman. So he bows out. State Department, we have... um, Uh, the the first one was uh, Rex Tillerson. Not only does he not bow out, does he not bow out, he goes to the Arctic and declares, signs a UN declaration. He supports carbon taxes. He's got the whole Exxon. I mean, people always ask me, are you funded by ExxonMobil? Like, why the F would I be funded by ExxonMobil? They support UN Paris Agreement. They support carbon taxes. They support all the bullshit you hear. What in the world would they want to fund me for? They've never given me a, a dime or a cent Instead, they gave 100 plus million dollars to Stanford University to study global warming. But the Union of Concerned Scientists says 19 million dollars went to climate skeptic groups mm. from the early 90s to early 2000s in the evil Exxon plan. So, what? One United States Department of Agriculture farm grant to study how global warming, how farm odors contribute to global warming, exceeded all the money ExxonMobil was ever accused of giving over a decade and a half bullshit narrative let me do a movie Merchants of doubt how the oil industry and the, what all nonsense but anyway so no one in the Trump administration will challenge it Scott Pruitt his first EPA director stands up what happens to Scott Pruitt he he goes on TV challenges the UN IPCC he's phenomenal he gets he got a bed and breakfast below market rates he asks for someone to help his wife open a chick-fil-a. Stuff that you know, no other cabinet member in the Wa- history of Washington was scrutinized like like Scott Pruitt, plus the Don's career staff at EPA went after him. He's run out of town after the first year. And this is what it made an example of. And no Trump cabinet member. Will so here's my larger point. Because Trump has come in, Trump himself is great, gives always great comments, but he doesn't really get deeply into it. But he did great. He done 60 Minutes. He always defends climate skepticism. He's a true climate skeptic. The problem is, we have the most skeptical president who doesn't push back. His administration doesn't push back on bupkis when it comes to the science. And what I mean by that is they're still accepting UN reports, still funding the UN. The National Climate Assessment was an abomination of science that came through. Guess who were the lead authors of, of, the, of this report? It came out in 2018, I believe. Catherine Hayhoe, Don Wobles. These are activists with the Union of Concerned Scientists, Far Left Environmental Group. And guess what else they did? They used discredited extreme model scenarios uh, that to come up with dire consequences if the world doesn't act. In other words, what used to be an outlier prediction, they'd give a whole suite of predictions, now became the new mainstream one. And it was embraced by this. And it was pre-planned. This was like activists mm-hmm. and the activist scientists. So guess what the media reported this? Trump's own scientists disagree with him. I'm sorry, unless Trump's own scientists include, you know, Greenpeace activists and Union of Concerned Scientists, these weren't Trump's own scientists. The problem was every single cabinet member could have challenged the report, but they were afraid, the cabinet heads, because they didn't want to be seen as censoring the, the federal climate report. So, so in that regard, I think Trump has hurt climate skepticism, because we have the most skeptical president who hasn't pushed back at all. And the public now sort of not know what to think. There's no real pushback. The policies are great. So there's no pushback. And this is the problem I think we have going forward. You know, I'm not optimistic in case you haven't been able to tell, because now they have COVID climate. They have lockdown presidents. They have a compliant public in the UK House of Commons. I want to move to Sweden. That's what I'd like to do. Where they anti lockdown, have it in their constitution where they can. That's where we're stuck now. Who would have thought Sweden would be the haven for liberty loving people everywhere?
1: So it's not like a, a, a solution. I always envisioned maybe like a cryptocurrency to where all of the scientists and all of the models had to open their guts. The models have to be open source so everybody can see what right. data goes into these models. Because if this is truly a crisis, a global crisis, then why haven't we had this, this unity? And instead of having, this is my study, this is your study, these are my tree rings, this is, this is my, my data, why can't it all come into one massive data dump? And then we can sift through it, develop a proper and appropriate model, and then as a as a planet face, whatever is coming. Maybe that's just a bridge too far. No,
0: it's, it's a bridge way too far. And by the way, the best peer review at this point is the internet is the, you know, mm-hmm. scientists report. We had Michael Mann's hockey stick that came out in 2001. Uh, well, I believe it was 2001 UN report is where they highlighted it. And this claim, you know, temperatures were unprecedented. Well, we had st- scientists and statisticians, Start looking into this, and they were able to lay waste outside of the peer review process. They wouldn't. People who did it, Michael man, wouldn't release the data. Yeah. Mike right. Patrick Michaels, a climatologist, former head of the State climatologist Association, talks openly about him asking for data from some of these extraordinary claims in climate, and the scientists actually say, "Why should I give it to you? You just yeah. want to find something wrong with it."
1: Yeah, of that's the mentality.
0: This isn't about science; it's about crafting a narrative. The ClimateGate scandal, two thousand nine.
1: That's where I wanted to go.
0: Yeah, they literally. Were beside trying to avoid Freedom of Information Act requests and threatening journal editors, they literally were exposed as just crafting a narrative. It was essentially like a political party crafting a message, but they didn't allow dissent. They had to stay on message, and they they kicked everyone out. In fact, there's, there's actually there's scientists who are like, well, I went to a solar conference, and none of the scientists are there with us. We have to make sure that you know they don't get any, yeah, essentially any attention. I have a whole chapter in my book on this. We talk about it in the first movie, Climate Hustle One, and the second movie, Climate Hustle Two. This was the scandal because it showed that the top leadership of the United Nations was engaged in very bad behavior and we're running essentially a campaign cause. Anyone who goes around who actually thinks the UN IPCC is science, I'm sorry. You either have not looked into it or you're a propagandist yourself. There is no way you could, and I'm talking about, if you look at, we interviewed scientists who say like, they would actually sit around the table and say, how can we make the report so alarming? We would, it was, it's It's just incredible. They're handpicked scientists from around the world to toe the line. And here's the kicker. The reports summary for policymakers they get all the splash in the media have to be a- agreed upon not only by scientists, but by the UN bureaucrats and politicians. And, they, and the underlying science reports have to be in agreement with the predetermined political one. And this is actually reported by the Associated Press. Go into this in my book in detail. This is how they craft the consensus. This is how the science is made. The 97% consensus In one of the surveys wasn't even 97 scientists. It was 77 anonymous scientists. Richard Toll, who looked at another 97 percent, said that none of the numbers uh, that that they claim are supported in the underlying data. He said it's literally the 97 percent consensus is pulled from thin air. So we are being conned. And actually, to use another word, we're being hustled. So just in wrapping up here, the film goes through all this agenda. It's climatehustle2.com, September 24th, Thursday night, 8 p.m. You go there. You can watch it live. We have Kevin Sorbo narrating it. I think people will be entertained. We go through the Hollywood hypocrisy, the children. We didn't even talk about that. The indoctrination of kids and the recruiting of kids for these lawsuits going after – Uh, the federal government. And the idea here is kids are suing the government to safeguard their future. They're in a backdoor way trying to get, through judicial fiat, the Green New Deal imposed on us if they fail in the legislature. Now think, before you dismiss that, most of the progressives have have had major advances, progressive movements, through the court system, not the legislature. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that a bad Supreme Court Federal judges are going to help start enforcing impl- the Green New Deal because without the Green New Deal, these kids, as in the words of Greta Thunberg, have a future that is no more. What's the point of going to school if, uh, you know, we have a future that's no more? The top scientists, this is, I'm quoting Greta, the top scientists of the UN have told us that we have to do this action or we have, we're
1: have we doomed, you know, and then they go with the tipping points. Who is Greta? That's a whole <laughs> other thing is who whole is Greta? Yeah, that's a nuts. Yeah. No, 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 no. Well, we we agreed on like twenty five minutes, Mark. I
0: don't know what was in this. This is a cigar vape, by the way. I'm not sure what was in it, but it got me pretty wound up. No, it's just (laughs) it's a regular cigar vape. Nothing's in it.
1: Well, no, I mean this is a a topic that COVID. You're right. COVID completely blew it out of the water. This was going to be the prison that we were all corralled in because we're all CO two offenders. Yeah. Every single breath is a CO two offender, and despite the plant, the plants in the house outside, you know that is an essential nutrient for the plants. Yeah, and 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 and, and there was another article I was read, reading just today where somebody oh, it, was, it was lambasting Ryan Mao, and where he falsely or inaccurately claimed that CO two being good for plants. I so mean,
0: I mean, NASA, NASA did a study the greening of planet Earth. Yeah. You know how they spin that, by the way. Me. They don't come out and say the planet Earth is getting uh, greener. They come out and say um, uh, what's, uh, poison ivy is going to be a lot worse. Poison ivy is worse. So they pick a That'd weed be... and then they make it sound like it's all bad. I mean, it's just obviously Here, Here's a good example that I can leave you with. In the first film, Climate Hustle, which, by the way, we're offering a bundle package for Climate Hustle 1 and 2. The first one deals more with science. This is more about the agenda. The lowly armadillo. This is a classic example. In the 1970s global cooling scare, Mm -hmm. they warned that it was getting so cold the armadillo was being forced south. Well, guess what? Now the same climate, actually the same network, ABC News, is warning that the armadillo is getting so hot that the armadillo is being forced north. This is called climate cycles. And they go cold, they go warm. Uh, In fact, if you go back to the 1920s and 30s, the Arctic had very similar temperatures that they had today. Uh, And the cycle goes warm and cold. And people say, "Well, we're we've been warming." Yeah, we've warmed since 1850, the height of the Little Ice Age, when New York Harbor froze over, when the Thames River froze over. Uh, So you can go back to the Roman warming period, and you say the temperatures were similar. We may have cooled for them. There's actually peer-reviewed studies showing that. So. This is a. a They
1: like to start charts in like 1880, 1850, and then go up from there. Okay, here's the
0: one that TV Weathermen get into. There's this group called, uh, it's it's a Soros funded group. And by the way, that's anti Semitic if you say Soros funded now, apparently. Even Fox News is saying that. So, but there's a group out that starts a baseline in 1970. And they go out they give it to TV meteorologists and they say, you know, whether you're in Iowa or Kansas or California or Colorado or Massachusetts, your local weatherman gets a little prepackaged bullshit thing that says our local temperatures have increased this much since 1970. Climate models predicted this rate were to continue will be this warm by, you know, 2030, 2050. Here's the problem. The baseline of that is the kite of the 1970s global cooling scare, one of the cooler periods of the 20th century. So they pick a cool period, cherry pick, it. had they picked the 1930s, you would show no trend or possibly a cooling trend since the 1930s. But then it's kind of like saying, well, if this trend continues, well, if you have a 10-year-old kid and you say, if their growth rate continues, by the time they're <laughs> 20, they're going to be 30 feet tall. But this is pure propaganda. We are losing because no one in power is pushing back on this. Yeah. Same with COVID, same with climate. Donald Trump, again, great deregulator, but he's not great with his administration has not been great in pushing back on this. So that's why I'm very pessimistic. My <laughs> hope is that we have a climate electoral, electoral shock this November that you, for instance, the new um, North Carolina governor is up. He's a Democrat. I went to North Carolina vacation this summer. Movie theaters and gyms are still closed. I found a, a illegal gym to go to, F the governor. It was like going into a speakeasy. You had to go in and we were totally in violation of the governor's health orders. You know, and They were just trying to keep businesses open. But I'm hoping in states like that where governors who are pro-lockdown, I'm hoping for an electoral shock in November that these governors get ousted. That's the only way this ends. Otherwise, if it doesn't end, I'm not talking about the national race at all. I'm talking about governor's no, 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 race, no, no. legislators, where this is an issue we need to speak because if we don't not end the lockdowns for covid we're doomed when it comes to climate
1: yeah this is going to be a bad 10 15 years coming up if if, if i don't know
0: the, we, i don't we know that we that. I mean this is the natural progression of things i mean you can go back to roosevelt's new deal no matter then great society no matter what era? Every president who's assumed office is America has moved further to the left. Now, there was a blip with Ronald Reagan, but by the end of his second term, you know, we had started undoing him by certainly by Bush's first, the massive increased spending government regulation. And then you come, we had a, a blip with the Republican Congress. George W. Bush massively increased the size of government. 9-11 helped with that. Oh boy! And, and then, really of course, you had Obama and then Donald Trump, the other, the, the, the other big problem is he doesn't care about spending, size of government, really uh, it deficits, debt. Uh, and, of course, so we're just, you know, in that, in that area, we're just bombed off the charts. Yeah. So you add all that up. I can't be optimistic. I'm sorry to no, end Now a- I- no, The movie ends on an optimistic note because it's all about resisting. As long as we're out there resisting, uh, we can fight this. But, uh, you know, it's just I don't see I'm, if let's put it this way. If the 2020 election goes and the North Carolina governor's elected and other governor's elected, then I don't know what to tell you. If people aren't motivated to get out and stop a technocracy where the unelected few bureaucrats who you don't even know their names ever, never voted for, Mm -hmm. have they suspended democracy and they're able to shut you in your house by declaring a health emergency that no one knows where it came from. And now in Virginia, where I live, our health director, I don't even know his name, but guess what? I know what he said. That when the vaccine is available, it's going to be mandated. No health exemption, no religious exemption. Everyone's going to have to take it for a virus that, if you're you know, under seventy-five, has a death rate. I, if you're under, you know, the, it's young people have much better chance of surviving the, you know, the, the COVID than they do the flu. It's mostly deadly to people with pre-existing yeah. conditions. So yep. this is what we're facing. But it's all about this a mentality. They have fear. If they have fear, they have you. And if I don't know. I don't. And social media, you know, you, you these doctors speak out, they're immediately silenced, yeah. banned. Uh, our movie, Climate Hustle 2, shadow, been banned on the, the Twitter. There it is. We have um, Prime, Amazon Prime. Once we started talking about the sequel, getting it on, we had our first film, Climate Hustle, on Amazon Prime. They pulled it off Amazon Prime and they refused to run you know, Climate Hustle 2. This, despite the fact we were scheduled for almost 800 theaters before wow. COVID hit. So, they own all the social media. You have all the CEOs, corporations, major league sports, all just bow to 20-something-year-old woke you know, individuals. We're all on college campus now. We're all getting the bullshit daily, and we're all getting the socialist stuff. So where is the organized opposition in government? If Donald Trump is our best hope, but he doesn't mm-hmm. surround himself, I'm not optimistic about his administration because he, he orders stuff. He approves it. He okays it. But in certain things, it's never going to happen unless he's made aware that he's got to follow through a hundred times and make it happen, and it's almost impossible for him to do. He's pulled well, it, it.
1: it would be a. It would be helpful if he was more articulate, if he could it, get in yeah, the podium and. The <laughs> You know, he he, he is the best. Can. You can't ask for better. You know, I would take
0: Donald Trump warts and all. He's he's my favorite president of my lifetime. I'm sorry. Anyone who's that in your face to these nasty bastards in the media, I yeah. support fully. Uh, you know, he can do no wrong ultimately, but his administration can do a lot of wrong and has missed many opportunities. Yeah.
1: It's interesting how Obama shut down. I guess that's exactly what happened when Ebola was becoming an issue in 2014 they just mandated that the press didn't talk about it
0: and they stopped the testing if you don't have the test the whole other thing is what's going on in new zealand is psychotically insane there you go morano quotable they are trying to zero out cases well wait a minute do they not read the new york times all the false positive these tests are detecting Mm -hmm. levels of viral load that aren't even transmittable but it doesn't matter it's this it's an insanity it's a mindset they have the public The fact that there's not just outright rioting and overthrow, and we need to see Tiananmen squares in every country that's going along with it. I'm so disappointed. I don't wear a mask as much as possible. I was forced to in an airplane. I'm forced to in a casino when I gave a speech in Vegas because they throw you out, armed guards. But if I go in a Walmart or what, if I go in a small mom and pop, I'll ask you, mind? If I go in an Uber, I always ask, do you care if I wear a mask? I've had one Uber driver tell me, oh, yeah, please wear it. Otherwise, they don't care. And the driver usually takes off their mask. You know, it's just, unless people start, I go into Walmart, I do health exemption. Oh yeah, it's despicable if you're not, you know, it's not despicable. A health exemption against unjust government is damn recommended and I encourage everyone to do it. I've done it publicly. By the way, for my efforts, NASA's lead global warming scientist, Dr. Gavin Schmidt, the man who came out and supported a carbon tax, the man whose predecessor got arrested half a dozen times protesting global warming any idiot out there who thinks, well, NASA's just, just passionately looking at the science. Bullshit. Former NASA uh, scientists who put men on the moon have formed a coalition called The Right Stuff, disgusted with what's happening at NASA, both under Hanson, his predecessor, and now Gavin Schmidt. Mm-hmm. But I've been called just the last two weeks a sociopath by NASA's lead global warming scientist by name. And he also said, as are most climate deniers, sociopaths. So that's what NASA's Gavin Schmidt, the lead global warming scientist, thinks of anyone who challenges the climate narrative. That's what we're up against.
1: Wow. Well, it, you know, I, I, we deserve we, it. I'm we sorry, because we do, we've allowed California it to happen.
0: deserve it. Yep. Uh, people in Massachusetts. But I live in Virginia. I don't know if I, I don't know if we deserve it or not. But the fact is, we're not That's rebelling weird. enough. So. You know, it's hard for me to even get upset anymore. We deserve the government that we're getting, and it's only going to get worse unless mm-hmm. we fight back and we yeah. can't rely on anyone in power. Republicans are pathetic.
1: It's unfortunate because they've had an opportunity. They've had the White House to to organize, to really organize. They've really got this fired up base. And it's it it feels like it just is lacking a direction. And whatever direction is happening is coming from an anonymous channel on the Internet yeah. So there's there's it 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 I hope it's not a wasted opportunity.
0: I don't know, but oh you yeah know, um I was gonna mention one other point about oh even people like Rand Paul, he had a one-on-one with Fauci. It was odd. weak. He was weak. I mean, you need to go through and go here's the here the They never had these recommendations before. Things change on a dime. The mask mandates, the lockdowns, science and support of policy, science and support of policy. Just don't forget that. Technocracy, that's where we're headed. And it's frightening that we're going to give up elected government in order to be safe by an unelected bureaucracy. They, They are no best. And it's the same whether you're climate or not. The idea is you can't have an internal combustion. You can't put your thermostat there. You can't eat meat. You can't travel like that. You can't have a house unless it's built by, you know, to be net zero. You can't have an economy that allows that. You can't have coal plants. You can't have fracking. You can't have SUVs. We have experts with PhDs who study their life, and they're going to tell you, you are doing it wrong. You are the unwashed masses, and we've got to get you under control. How dare you? As John Holden said in 1975, you get in your car and drive and buy a six-pack of bears. And drive home that is wasteful and inefficient. And by golly, we're going to stop you because we have higher concerns and we're smarter than you. We're experts, we've spent our lives. How can you not take our word? We are the ones declaring a public health emergency, it's for your own safety. Mm-hmm. We're screwed and we deserve it.
1: And that All is right. how you weaponize weather.
0: Weaponize weather. All right, I got way off track, but it's climatehustle2.com. Be optimistic, even though I've given you bupkiss reasons to be optimistic. I think you'll be entertained. We have a lot of fun. We have an NYU professor who actually wants to shrink humans genetically to lower carbon footprints, give them a meat patch in order to have them stop eating meat. So anyway, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Uh, And I'm sure your audience is probably like, what nut did you get?
1: (laughs) Oh, they listen to me. So (laughs) we're not too far apart. I I just I'm a little quieter in my ranting.
0: Okay, I'm I'm just (laughs) fired up because. I'm just so disappointed in people who should know better in power that have allowed these lockdowns and then to see the climate activists lusting after this kind of thing. I mean, we are, we're deep. This is bad, bad, bad.
1: So thank you very much. It's, it's, oh, I don't want to say fatally damage the economy, but this nation is going to take a long time to recover from this. Even if we do get off oil, if even magically some Tesla technology shows up and we do go electric and we can put CO2 behind us, but still the task of regaining our freedoms will lie ahead. And that's the challenge ahead of us. We're regardless of what energy we end up using. How well, do we regain our freedom? What kind of revolution must we go through so that there is a new George Washington on the other side of this 250 year experience?
0: I don't know. Yeah, I'll leave you one th- quick thing. COVID climate connection in May after seeing how emotional these daily death tolls were, you know, mm-hmm. even though, you know, over half have been in nursing homes and the age and, you know, and a no lot of this has no to do with bad policy, sending nursing home residents back and the most vulnerable back in with the virus. A, you, uh, a whole coalition of academics. And I write about this at climate Depot. You can look it up death certificate. They want to now add climate change on the yeah. death certificate. Now, think about this. Let me give you three examples. Al Gore had said publicly that every organ in your body is affected by climate change. The American Cancer Society did a study saying that climate change worsens cancer, and I'm not making that up. The um, uh, 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 Department of Transportation came out with a study that said fatal car accidents could be increasing due to global warming. Mm -hmm. So if you die from organ failure, cancer, or in a car accident, Guess what could be a contributing factor listed on your death certificate if this climate goes through change. climate change? And guess what? Morbidity. Imagine MSNBC and CNBC every night. The climate change death toll increases and government still is not acting. Another 400 people. We're at 100,000 deaths globally uh, in the U.S. today. The, that toll continues. They're, they see what happened with the COVID. They went in on the fair I don't think climate will ever be able to stand alone again, or at least not for a long time. I think they're going to just latch on to the climate fairs now. So not
1: after you're done, is where now. we are when you're done with it, people will look at it in a completely different <laughs> way, Mark. And we we right. combat climate change by putting on a jacket.
0: A jacket? Oh, right. Or uh, right, taking
1: right. He, he froze to death. Climate yeah. change. Yes.
0: yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly it. Right. All right. Well, thank you so you much, you, Mark. Take Me care.
1: Along. All the thank best. You. Good luck tomorrow with the, with the launch. I'll be there.
0: All right, thank you so much. Appreciate right. it, Scott. Take care, man. Thank you. All
1: right. Mark Morano everybody. Um what a firecracker. And uh, I appreciate him spending some time with us tonight uh, to talk about this issue from his perspective. And he's certainly been in the game uh, easily as long as I have, but with a very different crowd. And I, I appreciate him uh, taking some um, some time out of his uh, late Wednesday evening in, in Virginia to, uh, to, to talk with us, to share his opinions. So I hope you enjoyed that. And I'll be back on Monday with another perspective. We'll see what... Uh, with the universe drops in our lap for that point in time. Otherwise, I'll catch you tomorrow evening on a look at weather. And thanks for coming on in here, in here and uh, commenting. Yeah, that broad term, Casey, that, that is absolutely ridiculous um, because they, they couldn't keep the warming up. And uh, eventually, the truth, once it's set free, will just straighten it all out. It might take a little bit, but uh, ultimately, it'll happen. All right. uh, Thanks once again for stopping by. And I'll catch you tomorrow uh, with Scott's weather at five o'clock mountain. And until then, have a great night, everybody, and keep looking up.